through the Baptist Catechism. And uh, last, the last two lessons, how went over kind of the background of why we should study the Catechism. Uh, last week he did the history and he also gave us uh, a bit of an outline of, of what the Catechism uh, structure looks like. And today we're actually going to delve into the questions. So, Lord willing, for the next 10 weeks we will spend uh, our time together studying questions 1 through 6. And this section deals with humanity and the Bible. And so we'll be looking at questions 1 to 6, hopefully over the next 10 weeks. And um, if, if things change or we have to move the schedule around, something comes up, we, uh, we will adjust accordingly. But our plan will be to work through these questions together. And so before we get into the actual material, uh, looking at the question that we'll be studying this morning, the first question, I just want to cover a few kind of issues of outline, but also to do with housekeeping, you may call it. How should we approach our study of the catechism? And these are just a few thoughts that I thought would be useful to us as we prepare to study the catechism. So there are six questions that we'll be dealing with. Uh, the first one that we'll be looking at today is who is the first and chiefest being? Um, and then we'll make our way through the six questions. And my hope is that we'll spend two weeks on this first question. Um, and then after that, uh, we will spend a week on the next question and so on. And then finally uh, getting to the end. So some of the sections, some of the questions will require us to take a bit more time. Maybe we'll spend two weeks on one question. Others I think we can actually cover within the first um, the session that's allocated to it. Now, Howe had suggested that we could memorize the catechism as we go together, and I think uh, that's a great idea. And as he was sharing that, I was like, I was going to do that. So um, I'm glad we're on the same page. And so what, every time we come together, we'll basically say the catechism together. I'll ask the question, and we'll, we'll repeat it. Obviously, today, we weren't expected to memorize the question, so we'll just say that together. Uh, but one of your homeworks from today, yes, there'll be homework, uh, is for you to memorize this catechism question. And then through this, uh, hopefully we can uh, be built up in the faith. That's, that's the goal of this. And there'll be some practical tips uh, that we can look at. And all of that is to aid our memory of this, of this question, but more, more importantly, of the scriptures that stand behind the doctrine that we will be considering uh, here within this catechism. Just more uh, generally speaking about how we learn and how we listen and, and take in information. Um, I've, been, you know, I've been sitting in Sunday school classes before where I'm totally lost. Um, even more recently, I think uh, some of the material that was covered was difficult. And it's easy to sit and uh, you know, start feeling pity for yourself and feeling like I don't know something or how will I ever understand these doctrines. But we can actually be actively involved uh, in our own learning and uh, memorization of scripture and growth in the word. So what I'd encourage you to do is uh, you kind of have the outline of what we're going to be covering over the next few weeks. And so before we come to class on Sunday, uh, why not review what we did last week? And, and this won't take very long, just, you know, five, ten minutes even. Look at the previous question that we did. Look at the next question that we're going to be doing. And, and that way our discussion can be a bit more fruitful. I'm not saying we're not already doing this, but I just wanted to, you know, front, front load this so we are uh, made aware of this particular aspect of our learning. And then we can also take time to review what was covered in the previous class. 
And I think by doing that simple um, exercise, it would help us to get the most out of the classes when we come together. And of course, if you've got questions, you can ask them in the class. But if, if you're reviewing during the week, that would give you also opportunity to read other materials. And you may even find things that I didn't cover in the class, and you can bring that up, which can be edifying and helpful to the whole group. Um, so I just want to encourage you to, to actively participate uh, in this process, not just by being here on Sunday, but just taking a few minutes during the week to review what we've, le uh, we've learned. And it's, it's really not a lot um, that we'll be covering each Lord's Day. So if we can do that, I think it would be great. And then we can also work on memorizing the catechism question together. And so we will say it together and then uh, recite it as we go along. And we'll keep building on that. So today, next week will just be question one, the following week question two, and we'll build up our repertoire of our, what we're memorizing. And that should be exciting and encouraging for all of us, I hope. So then uh, let's make our way to the first question. I do have some copies of uh, the catechism. If you didn't get one, uh, there are some copies back there. And, and this is basically uh, taken from the website that Howe had shared, and also um, you can find a copy in this, in this book by Tom Nettles, Teaching Truth and Training Hearts. And in this, he covers some of the history as well. I think that would be a, a good resource if you want to look at that. Um, as well as another resource, if you want to read more, is um, uh, this by, book by Benjamin Bedome. Um, it's a scriptural exposition of the Baptist Catechism. And I found this quite helpful even in preparing for the study. So um, if you'd like to read more on what we're studying, those are some resources that you can, you can look at. So our first question that we'll be covering this morning, as you can uh, see it on your handout. So I'm going to ask the question and we can all repeat it back together. Who is the first and chiefest being? Okay, and uh, we have a few verses of scripture that are, that are written there down for us, which we will look at in turn as we, as we study this answer. So we notice that this section that we're going to be dealing with, questions one to six, uh, deal with human humanity and uh, scripture. But the first question we have actually deals with God. Uh, who is God, right? We're talking about who is the first and chiefest being. And so we want to ask the question, why are we beginning at this point if we're going to start talking about Scripture? And the reason for that is if, if we are to study Scripture, if we are to know anything of God, He must first and foremost reveal it to us. And so we must know the God uh, of whom we're going to study and of whom the Scriptures speak of. So first and foremost, we must realize that God takes the first step. He must reveal Himself to us and He must reveal Himself to us in a way uh, that we can understand, and that's where we get um, the, the categories of special and general revelation that we'll be looking at when we get to uh, question three. But for today's lesson, we will focus on the first half of our answer. God is the first being. God is the first being. And, and next week, we can spend some time looking at God as the chiefest being. As you look at this uh, question, was there anything, or even if you're just looking at it now, is there anything that stands out to you uh, as peculiar or even strange in the wording of this first question? So this is, this is for you all to answer. Uh, chiefest. Okay. Chiefest? Chiefest is kind of a strange word okay. for us. Yeah? No. structure to make it easy to remember because all you do is replace God with who. Yes. <laughs> 
That's right. Yeah. Um, are you going to say something? Uh, I guess it's just like when it says chief, this is establishing not only is he the first being, but he is the supreme being. Hmm. Yeah, so chief as like this Bani said, is not maybe common language that we use now, um, but also um, it is easy for, for memorization purposes, just the way it's worded. And then it also tells us that he's not only first, um, but he is chief, he's above all created beings. He, he is not a created being himself, but he is above all that has been created. So when we say that God is first, what, are we, what does that entail? And I think there, there are about six things that we can actually glean if we reflect uh, on this particular aspect. When we talk about God as a first being, uh, there are about six things that we can glean from Scripture that it says about him. And there is more than six. Uh, there is more than six. But for the purposes of our class, I think these six are succinct and they will be helpful to bring out the doctrine uh, that we are going to be studying. So I'll write the six on the board so that way uh, we can have these with us um, as, we, as we study along. So first of all, he's first of all beings. I left myself enough space. Um, so God is the first of all beings. And obviously the clear, clearest way we can see this is when we go to Genesis and chapter 1. In the beginning, God. Right? It's, it's quite amazing that the Bible doesn't begin with trying to convince us that there is a God. It starts by taking the assumption that all the readers will acknowledge that there is a God and He exists. So we start with in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God. So we already take it for granted that there is God. And as we read the, the account of the creation, we notice that we are told that there was, uh, the earth was formless and void. Uh, there was darkness. And then God speaks everything into existence. And I think this makes the point clearly for us that he is the first of all, because there was nothing at that time. Um, the, nothing existed and God speaks everything that exists into creation. And so that for us shows us that God is in fact the first of all beings. The scripture that's given to us there is Isaiah uh, in the, the catechism gives us Isaiah 44 verse 6. Isaiah 44 verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. So again, we can look at other, other verses. We won't turn to all of them, but again, Isaiah 41 verse 4, 43, 10, uh, 46, uh, 44 verse 6, or we can also look at 48, 12. All of these are attesting to the reality that we've already seen uh, from Genesis 1-1, but throughout Scripture, uh, speaks about God being the first of all creation. And then if we looked at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, uh, we see something interesting happening in Revelation. So look at Revelation 1-8. And I'll give you a second. If you'd like to turn there, you can. Otherwise, you can listen to me uh, read 
the scripture too. So in Revelation, again, coming from uh, Isaiah, uh, being quoted there, he's, God says, I am the, the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, uh, is God speaking about himself. But what is interesting is in Revelation 22, 13, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so we know that in Genesis 1-1, when, when God is speaking, uh, this is the Trinity speaking, and so Jesus is present at creation. But it's also, uh, we see the connection being made in Revelation, the language is changing, that in Revelation 1-8, God, the Lord Yahweh, is saying, I am the beginning and the end. And then towards the end of Revelation, Jesus himself says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And we've spent some time uh, focusing on the divinity of Christ and the two natures of Christ in our previous study. So I won't go into too much detail there. Uh, but this is an encouragement to us as we reflect on the person of Jesus Christ, um, that he is fully God and fully man. And so when we speak of Jesus, when we speak of God being before all created beings, we can say that's about Jesus Christ too which is important, obviously, for the incarnation and other doctrines uh, that we already considered in our previous class. Um, I know I'm assuming that everybody was there in the previous class, but this is a good time to, to point you to the recordings if you haven't uh, listened to Richard's class. I think it was very helpful for us to do that and even to recap on it. Um, and so we won't look at all these verses, but uh, John chapter 8, verse 58, we see there Jesus uh, obviously testifying as being I am. He says, I am before Abraham was, and uh, that caused chaos. They wanted to stone Jesus because they considered him to be blaspheming because they didn't know his true identity as the son of God. So we, we've seen the first point here very briefly is that God is the first of all beings. He's the first of all beings. And uh, out of that, we have gleaned that he is before everything else that was created. As we looked at Genesis chapter 1, um, we see that before anything was created, before anything came into existence, God was already there. And so he's not a created being. He was there before uh, all things. And by implication of this, if God is the first, then we are not. Okay, that uh, seems like a misnomer. Like, I don't need to state that. But we do, need to, we do need to think about that. We were not present before God was there. And no man was present before God. We cannot speak of being there before God. And that helps us reflect upon the reality that he is the creator and we are creatures. And we have to make that distinction between the creature and the creator. And that will be important for us as we talk more about uh, what God has revealed to us in his word and why he has uh, spoken to us in a language that we can understand because we cannot understand God at his level as creator. So he comes down to us in our level and speaks to us in a way that we can understand. So that's the first 
first aspect of God being the first being that we notice and we can, we can see from this. The second point we see is that he is the first cause of all beings. He is the first cause of all beings. And this is interrelated with our first point, but it also needs to be uh, looked at on its own. He is the first cause of all beings. to get us started on that point. What, what are we referring to when we speak of the first cause? And this might be dangerous because the person who speaks might just say the whole point, so then you might not have anything to do. Uh, but I'm joking. So first cause of all beings, what, what are we getting at with that statement? What, what does that entail, that God is the first cause of all beings? He's the creator. Mm -hmm. He's the creator. Okay. Anybody else want to add on or say it differently? He's sovereign, right? Okay, he's sovereign. Would you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, everything is within his control. So he, he created all things and he controls all things, right? So he's sovereign. Right. Yeah, so we, we will look at his sovereignty a little bit more uh, detail as we, as we progress along. But we do see in terms of him being the creator, that he is the first cause in the sense that, as Genesis 1 speaks, he brings everything into creation. And so oftentimes we ask the question, if there was a time when there was nothing, why is there something now, right? So some, how did we get from nothing to something? And, and, and that gives us, um, the answer has to be that there is God, because without God being there, uh, we could not go from nothing to something because nothing can't come something can't come out of nothing and so god has to be the first cause and as the first cause he's also unchanging and we have great comfort in this reality in this truth because we know that god doesn't change he created all things but he is above the creation he's beyond the creation he's outside the realm of time and space uh, realities so if everything, has, if everything must have a cause, um, then there must be one cause that started everything, as, as I already stated. And so for anything to have exist, for everything to exist, we need God to have uh, first and foremost existed. So God is the only uncaused being. Nothing caused God to come into being. And and some of us or some of you with little children who might ask you this question, where did God come from? What, what do we often say to them? Oh. He's always been. Yeah. What, what, are, what are some other responses we might say to a, a child who asks us that question? Where did God come from? We don't know. We don't know, yeah. Yeah, so we, we may say that he's always been there. Uh, which is true. Um, or we, we, we just say we don't know where he came from. And it's a difficult question sometimes because we're trying to break down all these truths and realities that we know and we're trying to simplify it for the child. Uh, but we, we need them to know that, they, that God is the creator and he's not like us. 
And so, like with everything in our world, we are uh, conditioned to ask, where did, how did this happen? What was the cause? If something exists, how does this table exist? Or why is there a chair there? Uh, we can look back and see that somebody had to create it. Somebody had to fashion it. Everything goes back to a particular source, but not so with God. God is entirely other. He is not uh, like us. So he's the first cause of all beings. Um, here is a, is a quote that, that may be helpful. It comes from uh, Berkhoff, Louis Berkhoff. As a self-existent God, he is not only independent in himself, but also causes everything to depend on him. This self-existence of God finds expression in his name as Jehovah. It is only the self-existent and independent one, uh, independent one that God can give the assurance that he will remain eternally the same in relation to his people. And so God is not, as maybe the deistic view might be, where God creates and he leaves uh, the creation to continue going by itself. He is not a distant God, but he's very much involved in the creation. So he created all things, but he remains involved uh, in creation, in sustaining us and in giving us life within which we live. So if we were to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, it tells us that uh, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So this captures uh, what we've already been talking about here. He is the creator and all things were created through Jesus Christ, as we read in John chapter 1. Everything that was created was created through Jesus Christ and nothing was created apart from him. And so again, we think of how God continues to sustain what he has created. The third thing we want to consider is that he is the first in respect to providence. He is first in respect to providence. First in respect to providence. And so oftentimes we think about um, providence as God ordaining activities within our lives. Um, but could our understanding be more broad when we speak about providence? We think about how God ordains everything in our lives and he uh, has a plan for our lives. But when we think about providence, we may, we may define it or we may think about it as God's continued exercise over our lives, whether being the creator, we can think of him, how he contain, continues to sustain the creation that he brought into existence by speaking. But he also is involved in, our, in the small day-to-day -day details, as it were. And he continues to um, superintend over our lives. Uh, one point I just wanted to make before, before we move on here. Going back to the, the cause, uh, God being the co first cause of all beings, we must realize that all other creatures are subject to him. Um, sometimes one, one misunderstanding that people come up with when they don't 
I've properly studied this doctrine of God being the first cause of all beings, is that we can think that we are just puppets in God's hands and we don't have a will, uh, we don't have a responsibility to carry out uh, what God has called us to do. But as we look through the scriptures, we see that though God is sovereign and though he is the first cause, we have uh, the ability to make decisions within the will of God. We can't exercise our will or our, our desires outside uh, of God. And so we, even if we looked at verses such as uh, Genesis 50:20 or Romans 8:28, where they speak about uh, what man intended to do, but God had his plan overall. And so he is carrying out his purposes as the first cause of all things. And yet man still does things. Man does sinful things, man does good things, but they still operate within God's uh, overall purpose. And I just needed to mention that before moving on to providence. Uh, hope, does, that, does that make sense? Are we, are we clear on that? Okay, if, feel free to stop me at any point if you have questions or, or you want to add on to anything. Um, I'd love to hear from, from everyone as well. So going back to uh, providence, we speak of God's providence as him being first in respect to providence. As I said, uh, we can talk about him continuing to rule over our lives and over the creation which he brought into existence. And when we look at Acts chapter 17, verse 28, uh, where Paul is quoting one of the philosophers of the day, and he says, in him we live and move and have our being. And so he was able to take a truth that these pagan worshippers uh, attributed to their gods, but he was able to take that truth and say, this is actually true about our God, uh, the Lord, the God of our Father, uh, the God of Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior. So we not only uh, attribute our creation to God, but our ongoing sustenance to God. We exist because God gives us life and breath. And, and this is something that we are constantly struck with when we look at even the medical developments and advancements. Uh, we've been able to prolong life. We've been able to uh, you know, sustain, uh, improve people's life expectancy. But there does come a time when someone dies, no matter what you do, and that's a difficult reality for us to process. Uh, we would want them to live on. We want to do all that we can uh, for them to live on. But then we are, we are reminded that life is in God's hands. He is the only one who can give life. And we cannot give life no matter how much uh, we develop in our technology and no matter how good our doctors are, life only comes from God. And that reminds us of, of this particular reality. The fourth thing that we can, we can look at here is that God is first in respect to his sovereignty. And um, this was already mentioned earlier on. He is first in respect to sovereignty. So when we speak about the sovereignty of God, what, what comes to mind? That's, that's probably an attribute of God that we're very familiar with and that we, uh, we rejoice in. 
So what is, what is it that comes to mind when we think about the sovereignty of God? His total control over everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, his total control over everything. So he's the supreme king. He's the ruler of all things, of not only the world that we live in, but the whole created realm. And we go back, thinking back to Genesis chapter 1, there was nothing that existed, and then God created it into existence in six days and brought everything into being that exists. And so if we look through the Psalms, several Psalms speak of God as the supreme king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the one who reigns high above the heavens and the earth. But just to look at a a select few, Psalm 93 verse 2, your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. And so God was not made king at some point in creation. And that to us may even sound uh, something that's not even worth mentioning because everybody agrees that God has been king forever. But there are other, uh, other religions, for example, other philosophies and worldviews uh, that speak of men becoming gods, right? So they were born as man and they did good deeds or whatever they did and they were eventually elevated. So they can speak of a time that they were not the God or they were not kings of the world and then they were made king of the whole universe but not so with our God we see that his throne has been established forever and ever and he is uh, he's spoken of as the ancient of days he's the king who has ruled and will continue to rule uh, throughout eternity and we see as well through the scriptures that when we, we talk about God's rule, he doesn't rule as one who is like the worldly rulers. He is a compassionate God. Uh, he is a just God who destroys the wicked and who hates sin. But he is also a God who is, has sent us his son, Jesus Christ, and who has given us the opportunity to be in a relationship with him. And so this same person, this same God, who we speak of as being sovereign over all things, is the God that we can call Father and we can pray to. And that is a great encouragement for us as Christians, that the God who we come to uh, rules over the universe and that he is personal to us. He is not far away and distant. Psalm, Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. One particular passage I think that kind of uh, emphasizes this reality even further is just looking at First Samuel chapter eight, when the elders of Israel come to the elders of Israel come to Samuel as he is old, and his uh, his children are running chaos. They have become wicked, and they are turning the people's hearts away from God, and they demand a king. But their king, uh, the, the, the demand of the people displeases God because the king that they asked for was a king like the nations. And so that we see that though God gave them a king according to the request of the people, uh, he saw this ultimately as a rejection of him as king. Uh, and that's another passage that we see that kind of solidifies that God is the king and has been king forever because their rejection of the judges that God had given them at the time was ultimately a rejection of him as their king. And, and so that passage helpfully shows us that reality. Moving on, he is also the first in respect to grace. The first in respect to grace. 
since we're I might as well just write brace since we're repeating the other word. He's the first in respect to grace. So God is the one who has been gracious to us. He's the one who took the step by sending his son, Jesus Christ. It was not us. We were not the one who sought out God to provide a substitutionary atonement for us. We are not the ones who sought a mediator for us by going to God and coming up with a plan and saying, God, can you just provide such a person? God takes the first step. God is the one who comes out and um, provides for us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 19. I will just read this one, but the next passage, uh, Ephesians 2, we will turn to that and read that together. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we see that God is the one who initiated. He gave us Jesus Christ that we might be reconciled to himself. And so Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life and dies for us on the cross that we are reconciled to God. So we see that God is first in this way too, that he takes the first step uh, in showing us grace. And so then if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, a uh, passage perhaps that's familiar to many of us. We could read all of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, um, but for the sake of time. We see in this passage of scripture that we were once dead, and right? We, we've heard before that those who are dead cannot do anything for themselves, and so too with our salvation we could not do anything for ourselves. But God is the one who rescues us. So verse 5, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, uh, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So God is the one who acts first and foremost to save us, to rescue us. And lastly, we see that he is first in respect to love. He is first in respect to and this ties in obviously with his grace because he was moved as John chapter 3 verse 16 says that God was moved by his love for the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us uh, we also see in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we are able to love because he first loved us. God loved us first, and in his grace, he sent Jesus Christ to, to this world that we might be reconciled to God. So God takes the first step. He loves us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we hated him, when we were enemies with God. God loved us and sent us his son, Jesus Christ. So these are six uh, aspects of his being that we can consider. Him being first of all beings, him being the first cause of all beings, 
him being first in terms of providence, in terms of sovereignty, him being first in exercising grace towards us, and him being first in terms of showing love to us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us whilst we are still sinners, whilst we are still enemies of God. And so, as we come to the end of our study, we do want to ask the question, so what? And I think towards the end of our studies, we want to end with that question, so what? If we're studying these doctrines about God, we know who our God is a bit better after today's study, uh, what should that do in us and for us and through us? We must first and foremost make God the first in our thoughts and in our affections. We ought to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. So as we look at how God is the first and chiefest of all beings, we ought to put God first in our lives. We see the reality He is first. We are not, when we say we need to make Him first in our affections, we are not putting Him in first place. He is already first. That's a truth that we can see. But in our lives, we ought to make Him first priority. We need to make Him first priority in our thoughts. Um, the psalmist says that we are to meditate upon His word day and night. We are to think about God whether we sit or we stand, whether we walk, whether we are sleeping. We are to be reflecting upon who God is. But we also have to make God first in our relationships, whether that's with friends, with family members, with our spouse, with our children. God is to be the first in our relationships. And so how we interact with one another should be modeled by the way we love God. We should be, it should be modeled by how we seek to please God through our relationships. And whether that's, again, in our friendships, uh, marriage, with our children, in our workplaces, those relationships should be marked by uh, us putting God first. We must make God first with our actions, and we can think particularly about how we worship God, uh, that focus, because we are about to enter into the worship service. As we look at the Ten Commandments, we see that we are not to have any other gods save for Yahweh, the, the Lord God himself, the God of Israel. And so we, when we come before God, as we come to worship him this morning, as we come together we must put aside everything else that may distract us to worship him this morning. But also in our daily lives, there are many things that distract us from worshiping God in truth and in spirit. So, yes, we've come together for formal worship, but also as we go out into the week, we should think about how we can live in a worshipful manner, being aware that we live in the presence of God, the God who is the first and chiefest of all beings. So are there any final questions or comments before we, we wrap up and, and pray here? All right. If you think of other questions, you can, can bring them next week. Uh, but remember for next week, uh, if you can just review these uh, six, if you got a chance to look at, uh, get those down. So we'll briefly recap these next time and then we have to memorize, we have to try and memorize the first question. But as Jay showed us, it's very easy because the question gives us most of the answer. Who is the first and chiefest being? God is the first and chiefest being. So it's, it's pretty easy to start off with. Miss um, Bunny wanted us to add another level. 
and make us memorize the scripture. So maybe that can be like level two. So we also get the scripture references. I think that will be helpful to us as well. Uh, if there are no more questions or comments, then I'll ask just, um, John, sorry, if you could pray for us. Father, thank you for this time that we've had to uh, ponder who you are, um, even in our limited capacity. Um, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us so that we can know you as the first and the chiefest of beings, and we pray that uh, you would be first in our affections, that we would not let anything else take your rightful place in our minds, in our thoughts, in uh, our affections, and things that uh, we that we go to for our satisfaction. I pray that that would be reflected in our worship today. That you would be glorified in everything that we say and do, and that. Uh, that you've given to us even though we as your creatures have rebelled against your law.